Hello, and welcome to another podcast of Prisma Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Elliot Rabin, and I am Prisma's Director of Thought Leadership. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome my colleague, Alyssa Capel, who will be leading a conversation that explores the contexts and relationships that inform the work of the boards at Jewish Day Schools. Alyssa is Prisma's Vice President for Leadership Development. She leads our team that works to strengthen the capacity of heads and boards to lead effectively. Hi, everybody. I'm humbled to be here today together with Dr. Alex Thompson, Principal and Managing Director at Rosoff Consulting, Rabbi Daniela Pressner, Head of School at the Akiva School in Nashville, Tennessee, and Moshe Worthan, former board chair and current board member at the Akiva School. Welcome, everybody, and thanks so much for being here with us. Today, we're going to be taking a deeper look into the findings of a study commissioned by Prisma and conducted by Rosoff Consulting called Unlocking Leadership, Obstacles and Opportunities for Improved Day School Volunteer Leadership. The starting point for this study was Prisma's belief that it is possible to strengthen our Jewish day school boards by strengthening the, debate, the way that boards work and by focusing intentionally on the relationship between the board chair and the head of school. At Prisma, we've worked with over 60 boards of Jewish day schools across the country and have deep respect and admiration for the countless hours our volunteer lay leaders spend working on behalf of their schools and communities. We believe the layhead partnership is critical to the success of our schools, and we believe it's possible to improve our schools by strengthening the way that boards function and by focusing intentionally on the layhead partnership. Prior research in Jewish day school leadership focused on the experience of professional leaders and the opportunities and challenges facing our professionals. We recognize that if we believe we can improve schools by strengthening the ways our boards function, we need to learn more about the landscape of Jewish day school lay leadership, and we needed more voices of our lay leaders to help us understand the dynamics at play in our communities. We were curious about how might we make the most of the countless hours volunteer leaders spend working on behalf of our schools and communities. We also know that so many heads that feel deeply supported in their work cite high levels of satisfaction and partnership with their boards. We wanted to better understand how we might ensure that being a day school board member is a sought after role within our communities. And so we turned to our partners at Rosoff Consulting and commissioned them to conduct this study on the landscape of Jewish day school volunteer leadership. We're grateful for our ongoing partnership with Rosoff Consulting and in particular to Alex Thompson, our lead researcher for working with us. Alex, welcome. Uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about uh, background on the study and some of the findings with our listeners today. We're pleasure, really happy to be here. Uh, Alyssa, you said it very well, is that the study begins with a fundamental assumption that strong volunteer and professional relationships make a difference to the effectiveness of schools and to Jewish day schools, just like others. Uh, the study looked closely at 20 Jewish day schools, talking with heads of schools, uh, current board chairs and former board chairs or other board members, and try to unpack what it is that contributes to effective, healthy relationships and what are the things that get in the way of those relationships. And really to kind of boil it down, to two key findings is essentially we found that there's a set of forces that originate outside schools that complicate and at times also enhance those relationships and there's also a set of forces inside schools that make a difference to the quality of those relationships 
outside schools in many ways jewish day schools are much like the more than one and a half million other not-for-profits in in the united states that might find it hard to recruit members might our board members that is might find it hard to keep the attention of those board members so that's that's, that's something that challenges day schools but it challenges every other not-for-profit in the country so there are other forces like that whether they are simply part and parcel of the not-for-profit world or they are part of the jewish day school context mission-driven institutions sometimes result in unreasonable expectations and can also result in people giving their life and soul right to this enterprise it's a positive and it's a negative at the same time these are things that make it difficult to maintain healthy relationships between professionals and uh, and, and volunteers. So that on the one hand, these are forces that derive from outside the school. At the same time, inside the school, there are things that schools actually have much more control over. Needless to say, there are certain structures and systems that can make a difference to those relationships. There are certain organizational norms that can make a difference. And then finally, there's an issue around the dispositions of the volunteer leaders and the professional leaders all of which can be cultivated in interesting kinds of ways. And in, and in the report, kind of get into the details, what I just want to highlight here is, is that these are things that schools do have control over. They can create systems that organize, that provide stability and predictability in the relationships between heads and their, and their partners. There are certain kind of norms, particularly a norm such as assuming the best of intentions, when people criticize one another they do so with the best of intentions there there are other norms as well trust respect collaborations but those are that, that's something that really stands out stands out and then finally certain kinds of dispositions so those are the things that are most personal in some ways hardest to change but people do grow in life right and so those dispositions the chemistry between the head of school and the volunteers the lead, volunteer leaders she or he works with do make a difference. Thanks, Alex. It's really helpful. And I think um, there's two things that I was thinking about as you were speaking. One of us, this idea of sort of the, the health um, aspect of it, sort of healthy relationships um, as a foundational piece, um, and also the relational context in which all of this takes place. Um, we're thrilled to be here together with uh, Daniela and, and Moshe, who, who work in relationship with one another. And I'd love just to hear some initial reflections of uh, what resonated most with you about the study? Uh, Daniela, why don't we start with you? I think for me, really, the thing that stood out most was assuming the best of intentions. Because, you know, when people reach out to me and say, what about this? Could you consider this? Um, I think if I come from a space of everyone's working together to make this a better place, then I'm so much more receptive to everything that's coming my way, regardless of what it is. Um, and, you know, one thing comes to mind for me specifically is one time Moshe called and said, I just need you to make room in my calendar during the day, you know, and I said, Moshe, let me just show you my calendar for a moment. And so he could see my calendar and I could, I could understand better what he was saying in terms of trying to make time, not at 10 PM, but at, you know, two thirty in the afternoon. Um, and I think for me, the fact that I knew that Moshe it wasn't even assuming best of intentions. I knew that Moshe had the best of intentions and I fully trusted that he was on, you know, the school side, our side, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And I think that allowed me to really grow as a person and figure out, okay, if he really wants me to make some time in the middle of his day, I can't do it all the time, but I can do it some of the time and let me make that work. Um, so for me, that was a standout moment. I don't know if you remember that motion. She did. She did. I looked at her calendar and I couldn't believe it. There was not 10 minutes anywhere in there, but she said, I'm going to give you, we're going to make a regular time and we'll try to do this, you know, once a week. I think we did it once. And then we went back to after 9 p.m. So I get up at 4.30 in the morning and by 9, 10 o'clock, I'm not, it's not my best time, but that's the time she's got. So that's the time we're going to do it. I don't think I'm the typical, I know I'm not the typical board member, but I've been involved with Akiva now. I was, I was chairman of the board over 40 years ago. Uh, most people that, you know, go back that far, don't make a comeback. But um, I love working at the school. It's, it's a great institution and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to do it. So we have the board, in our case, we have a great relationship with the professionals. And really, we don't have professionals. We have Daniela. Daniela is Akiva School from the professional side. And uh, she's been, I don't know, you've been there 12, 14 years or so. Yeah. So you've been, what, head three years and, and was principal before that. And, um, you know, she, she makes it run like a, a Swiss watch. So it's easy and fun. One of the things we found is, and consistent with many other not-for-profits, it's how hard it is to find, to recruit quality volunteers. So, Moshe, when you talk about your comeback, what was the driver there? Like, is, was, was it that there weren't others who were prepared to step up, or was there something else that was, was drawing you back to the school? Uh, yes and yes. Um, first of all, we, we lived in Israel until 2015 from, for 25 years, so I wasn't here to be involved. I, I don't know if I would have or not, but when we moved back to Nashville uh, and I'm looking for the things that where I think I can make a contribution, uh, education, uh, particularly the type that we have at Akiva, is my, it's my primary interest. So being uh, involved um, was good for me, and I think uh, – uh, I, I'm one of the few people that likes to raise money, so that was good for Akiva because most people won't do it. And so once I got my foot in the door, uh, then, you know, it was easy after that. I think also, Alex, you know, when you talk about disposition, Moshe and his wife, both Libby, they both have this disposition of always creating ideas and always, I mean, they go every single day for a walk for one hour and they just generate ideas in that one hour walk. I think, um, you know, Moshe is a person who is always thinking and breathing and dreaming about Jewish education. And that's not something that I take for granted any day of the week. What I think I've seen is the better the school is run, the more uh, successful it is, the more financially viable it is, the easier it is to get people to come on the board. People don't want to go on a board where it's a mess. And, and, and in the community, it's known to be a mess. So Akiva is in a very fortunate position. For one thing, we're basically the only day school, uh, Jewish day school in Nashville. So we don't have 
competition. And if someone's interested in Jewish education, they see that as a priority. Akiva is where they're going to go. So um, what we found is, I'm going back now, maybe four or five years ago, get, getting people to come on the board was a little more difficult because we were just building our kind of our new image. Uh, now we have um, a situation where we've had a surplus in our budget for the last six years. Uh, people who are financially capable and who are interested in success want to join a board like that. So I was on the, the nominating committee last year, and we brought on four new board members. They're great, all community leaders. Uh, they're going to be great board members. They've only been to one meeting, but we already know ahead because of what they've done elsewhere that they're going to be good board members. I have been on the board in the past when people only came on because they were asked to. They weren't really that interested. Uh, and that, when that happens, is likely to end up being a problem. What you're saying, Moshe, really resonates and I think is definitely borne out um, in in the research, right? And I think we, we hear this often, sort of high levels of satisfaction, right? People want to contribute your time. The issue isn't that for lack of sort of desire, but they want their time to, to be used well. Um, and a lot of what you're describing taps into what we see in the research around the culture of boards. Um, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you might describe the culture of your board and what are the things that you do to intentionally cultivate that, to sustain that, um, that reputation that, that the school has for having a board that is sort of a board of choice within the community? Well, one of the things that we have in Nashville is we have a, an excellent, we have a wonderful relationship with the Federation. It has not always been that way. If you go back 20, 30 years ago, it was not that way. And, but today, uh, the executive director of the Federation sits on the uh, school board ex officio, comes to every meeting. Uh, we, we get a sizable grant, uh, for scholarships from the Federation. Um, Federation uses Akiva on their tours to show what the Federation's doing. Um, and, and we happen to be on the same grounds as the Federation, where the Federation's office is. So we have easy communications. It doesn't mean we always agree 100%, but because the relationship is so good, we always are able to work it out. I mean, we, we really don't have any problems that we haven't been able to work out. Um, when, I first, when I was chairman of the board in the 70s, we got no grant from the Federation. They, they didn't grant Akiva any money. It was a different school then and a different place. It's changed, obviously, tremendously, but um, Akiva's come a long way with the Federation. And, and really, I don't know whether maybe it's because we're the only school or because we many of the people on our board are also Federation people so that they understand the importance of the relationship. Uh, but it makes things a lot smoother. Um, we just got a grant from the Federation to help offset our, they helped us get a grant to offset our COVID expenses. I mean, they work with us on a number of things and, um, you know, occasionally there'll be something we don't agree on, but it's never anything serious. I think also for me, you know, when you talk about board culture, I think there are three things that stand out to me in the board culture at Akiva. The first is a deep sense of honor for every person 
that every person is dignified and, and really is treated with that level of respect um, that every person deserves, regardless of their ideas or their um, leanings. Um, I think the second thing is a real sense of gratitude on both halves, like both from the board members to the professionals and from the professionals to the board members. And that gratitude is expressed, you know, in meetings, in emails, um, you know, in conversations. And I, I think oftentimes we forget how important gratitude is in our practice, in, in our world. Um, and then I think the third thing that's really, I think a really beautiful piece of our board is um, a deep sense of curiosity and coming from a, a, a question of wonder. I wonder what it would be like if, or can you tell me more about this? I want to understand more about that. Um, and I think those questions can be seen in any one of our board um, conversations, um, people who, you know, can hardly make it to meetings because they're so, so busy often have the most beautiful questions to contribute in that small amount of time that they can contribute. And I think those questions are so important in helping fuel the conversation further for many, um, in many situations. And what for me is fascinating about how the two of you answered Alyssa's question is that you've really highlighted this interplay between those external forces and the internal culture. It's like, you know, the, the culture that's kind of influenced by the Federation's relationship with the school and the kinds of pressure that places on people. And simply the stance taken by Federation people on the board, et cetera, et cetera. Right? All of that feels like it's outside, but clearly it isn't. It's not a fait accompli. Uh, it may emanate from, out, emanate from outside, but it's still something you can manage and you can direct. And at the same time, that's only part of the story. Daniele, what you were highlighting really many things that are about the people, right? And the values and the norms that they, they bring. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a challenging mix to kind of put together in, in a positive fashion, right? But yeah. it's, it's intriguing how it is this interplay that you're, you're, you're continually, continually having to navigate. You know, they talk about the story of Noah with the window, and the window has this ability to see outside, but also to see inside and what's happening. And I think as we choose our board members, some board members are really there to help connect us to the outside world. And some board members are there to help bring us more closely and more honestly to the inside world. And I think those two types of board members really provide really different functions for our school and are both necessary to help our school kind of continue to grow and be present in the external community and also serve the internal community with the same amount of integrity um, as was intended, you know, at its inception. So I, I have a couple of stories I'd like to tell. One uh, is really about the makeup of the board. Up until about seven, six, seven years ago, the board a large majority of the board were parents, and um, and it was it was a bolagon. I mean, you know, what they talked about at the board meetings was this teacher did that, and my child, you know, fell on the playground, and what are you going to do about the jungle gym? And I mean, it, it they didn't do business, and and people didn't like being on the board, and the, the board meetings would just be a constant harangue. Uh, besides that, the school wasn't run as efficiently as it is now, so that there were a lot of prob financial problems, not collecting pledges, people not paying their tuition and not being, just a variety of things. At, the, at some point, 
some six or seven years ago, they changed the board makeup so that there can never be more than two parents on the board at one time. That made things tremendously different. Now business is discussed. We don't get into Daniela's business on what happened on the jungle gym. You know, nobody even knows what happened. So, you know, we're really talking about the budget. We're talking about fundraising. We're talking about the curriculum. We're talking about enrollment, recruitment, uh, PR, the things that we should be talking about. So that, that, that was a big positive change. Another story I'd like to tell, we had a, we had a, uh, one of, a consultant uh, came from uh, Prisma a few years ago uh, to do study some in Nashville about what was going on about our school. And uh, she came to the board meeting and she wanted to go around the room and ask people why they got on the board or how they liked being on the board. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. So she got to this one fellow who had been on about a year and he said, Larry, who was the chairman, he got me on the, he dragged me into this thing. I hate meetings. I didn't want to do it. He said he, he got me screaming I didn't want to do this, but I did it because Larry asked me and I couldn't turn down. He said, I am so glad I did it. He said, the, he said you know, this board is run professionally. And he said, I'm just, it, it's been a real eye-opener for me, and, I'm, and I really appreciate that I did it. The person sitting next to him uh, was a bit younger. Uh, his kids now are probably in high school. So he said, when I... Um, when my kids were the age that they could have gone to Akiva, even though he said, even though he went to Akiva, that, that's back in the old days, I didn't send our children. He said, with what I know today, I so regret uh, that I didn't send them. And I wish they, you know, could be a little younger so they could go. Cause he said, you know, I'm, and he has been a great board member. I mean, he, interesting board member. he, I've been on a lot of boards. He asks questions that nobody else asks. Right. It's, it's, I love your stories, Moshe, in particular. I think you're highlighting, you both and Danielle are highlighting something um, that I think came out so clearly in, in the research, which was sort of the, the impact of really attending very intentionally to this sort of dispositional side of leadership. Um, that the work of the board is not the systemic side of the what you know what is the role of the board and what is the role of governance is critical and it is really critical to think intentionally about um, this dispositional side. Who are we bringing onto the boards? You know, many boards tend to think about sort of do we have the lawyer or the doctor? You know, the accountant. They think you know often of sort of board matrix or sort of board profiling by what are the roles people play. And there was a way you're talking, the things you are naming are sort of like, who were the community builders? You know, you know, you talk a lot about intentional cultivation of relationships, you know, this sense of like curiosity and like who's going to ask questions, right? You're tapping into people for different types of experience. Um, and sort of Moshen, the first story you were telling, you were sharing a lot about sort of the board used to be this way and now it's this way. Um, and I'm hearing in what you're describing an intentional sort of difference in how you started thinking about um, who you were bringing onto the board and why, uh, coupled with um, a, really a deep care and respect for the lay professional relationship. Um, it sounds like that intentional cultivation of that particular relationship, deep trust in um, the work Danielle is doing has had impact. Um, and this, I think, really valuable for our, our listeners to hear. 
I, one of the questions that comes to mind for me, and I think one of the things we saw in the research was, you know, there's this sort of like interesting dynamic at play within the board, right? Sort of, you know, Moshe, right now you're not currently um, the chair, chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, I serve on the executive committee. Um, and I know you work really closely together with Daniela. There's clearly a lot of trust that the two of you had. I'd love if you could both talk a little bit about the impact of your relationship with one another, um, your relationship sort of, you know, the work of the executive committee and how that impacts on uh, the board as a whole. So for me, um, Moshe is a real sounding board and there are often times where I'm thinking about things, but I'm not yet sure that I wanna bring it to the full board or even to the executive board. Um, you know, I know that if I call Moshe, he'll say like, don't do that. That's ridiculous. Or yeah, that's a really good idea. Or I'm not really sure what I think about that. What do you think about that? You know? And, um, I think just having somebody who, you know, um, will stand by you is a really important piece of that. And, and we'll have the time to be with you. You know, that's not a given that every single board member has the time to have that conversation with you. And Moshe really always has the time to have that conversation. Um, I think the other thing that is important is, you know, every board member has something really unique to contribute and it's our job to figure out what that is. Um, Not just my job alone, not Moshe's job alone, but along with the board members. And I think that's a piece that, um, you know, both Moshe and I take a lot of time to talk about, but also we really ask the board, like, what is it that you want to contribute and how and why and how can we make that happen? I think that sense of fulfillment is a really important piece of wanting to stay connected to an institution. And so um, figuring that out is, is hard work, but it's worth it. Uh, trust is also a big issue here. Um, and it works both ways. I, I have to trust that if I bring an idea to Daniela and we don't think it all the way through, she's going to handle it carefully and it's not going to get out of control. And she has to trust that if she brings something to me that I'm not going to call somebody else and, you know, bring in someone that I shouldn't. So it's not, you know, things don't get out of control. You have to keep them in the right boxes, I guess you could say. I think there's also a fun balance. So, um, you know, one of the things that Moshe's taught me most about is uh, fundraising since he loves it so much. And um, I just remember walking out of a really big ask and it was um, for a foundation in town and we had never received money from this foundation ever before. And, you know, we had spent a lot of time preparing and a lot of time talking about what the conversation was going to be like. And then of course you get in the room and the conversation always shifts to whatever you didn't expect. Um, And then we came out and I'm sort of introspective walking out quietly and Moshe's is like, we got that. We got the full $10,000. I know we did. And, and I like remember looking at him and being like, how, how does he have that confidence? Where's that confidence coming from? But I think, um, you know, there are times when now I go into asks and I just think, just channel Moshe, like you've got this. And I think um, that yin and yang is a kind of a fun part of learning how to grow into yourself um, as a leader. Right. That, that, you know, the word you used there, Daniela, was like balance. And, you know, there's, you know, we're going to characterize this as a tango, a tango for three, at least three people, right? Uh, kind of messy and complicated. But, you know, that complication comes from the tremendous degree of turnover among board members. Like, I, I don't know what 
you know, maximum term is or even minimum term is in the school. But I could imagine that in a situation where there is turnover, especially at the chair level, then somebody who's a constant, such as Moshe, right, is a really significant, important, you know, resource for you. You know, because otherwise you're having to relearn the, the person with whom you're, you know, engaging, the board chair, is, is, is new learning as well. And that, that turnover is really, you know, is unusual in so many other relationships, like professional relationships don't have that degree of instability. So, you know, the fact that there, there are volunteers who, who stick around, you know, and that's not putting it in the most positive fashion, right? Makes a, makes a really big difference. Yeah. yeah, the fact that Daniela has been here as long as she has, and we haven't had turnover, you know, professional turnover, uh, that's brought a stability also, because I know a lot of schools, you know, the director will be there for two or three years, and then someone else comes in, and, and then the board has to get used to the new person, the new person has to get used to the board, the culture changes, uh, the new person doesn't have the connections that the, the former person did, that could be good or bad, depending. Uh, but we, the stability is also, uh, I think that's been a big factor in our success. Uh, if it sounds like um, that everything is perfect, I want to tell you that it's, we still have a couple of challenges. For instance, uh, we've had a hard time getting someone on the board who's good with buildings and grounds, uh, capital projects, we get them done, but we would really like to have a three-year plan uh, on our capital spending so that we know where things, you know, what needs to be done when. And we've not been successful in getting someone with that skill set. Uh, we're still looking, but um, so it's, it's not, I don't want you to think it's like, you know, everything is perfect. We're still missing a thing or two here and there. That's so funny mm -hmm. that you mentioned that because I also was about to talk about how it's not perfect. Um, and I think more kind of looking back over a number of years and saying right now, it seems like the board is getting along and things are really good. And I think um, there are also gifts in being able to be in boards that are struggling and being able to observe what it feels like to not necessarily have that trust or be able to be in a board where you know that things need to change and you know they need to change quickly and it doesn't feel comfortable, but you're sort of still there and you need to just get through it together. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what value or if this adds value to the conversation, but I think it's so important for heads of school to know that there are ebbs and flows in board experiences. And I've, you know, been in board rooms for long enough to know that, things get better and things get worse and things are hard and things look fantastic. Um, and I think being able to sit in those moments and figure out what is the learning that I can take out of each moment is something that really is a gift that's often overlooked. Um, and I've learned a lot from those moments of hardship, um, you know, where a person is coming in and trying to elevate the conversation and people might not be speaking that same language and they feel attacked and, you know, trying to figure out how, as a leader, do you help navigate those situations differently based on your earlier experiences? Daniela, I was actually thinking about that when she was speaking. I know you were an internal candidate, sort of, you know, you worked at the school prior to becoming head. Um, and as you said, had a lot of time to sort of observe the, 
the board the the board in action. I'm curious, sort of, if you could speak even a little bit more. There there sounds something in what you're saying so deep about sort of self awareness as a dispositional quality that really contributed to a lot of your success in working the board. And I'd love if you'd reflect um, a few moments and sort of like what else were those learnings that you sort of absorbed um, in your awareness of the board over the past couple of years that you think contributed to your working so successfully with the board right now? Sure. I mean, I think um, first and foremost, watching different heads of school lead board meetings is something that anybody could learn a lot from. Um, you know, when I first came into the school, there was a head of school who was incredibly um, willing to take a risk on me and to just say, I want you to be here. I know that you don't have this formal background. Um, I'm going to help pick up the pieces if there need to be pieces to be picked up. Um, don't be afraid to take those risks as those risks are going to take our school to the next level. I think that disposition was one that I really learned an incredible amount from, you know, and then learning from a next um, head that was really focusing on academic growth and what does it mean to acknowledge where a child is and how they move from point A to point B and how do you help a faculty move along in that process and then learning from another one that really had a deep financial backing um, and you know how do you build donor relations and what does that mean when you build those relations and um, watching all these different personalities then interact with the board and try to you know in some situations where the board chair was a really strong um, leader and in other situations where the board chair really um, allowed the head of school to lead those meetings, you know, there's so much that you learn about how people function and what they do when they're frustrated and what they do when they're angry and what they do when they're happy and how you can help, um, help move people through their sadness or move people through their frustration. Um, you know, there's a, a really important person in my life who I know has, um, you know, pushes people's buttons um, at times on our board. And, you know, I've learned a tremendous amount from him. And I think really having someone to openly say, and I say this all the time to people, I, I've learned so much from him about what it means to, you know, create multiple sets of goals and then to be able to follow them through. And that's not to say that everything about that person is perfect, but it is to say that I've learned deep, deep knowledge from this person's presence on the board. Um, and that knowledge continues to impact how I lead today. And so I think really being able to pick and choose what is it that you're going to learn from people, even those who, um, you know, sometimes can alienate others. And, and it's your job to work to bring people back together, but it's also your job to learn from um, even those more difficult personalities. Um, I think that frame of sort of these core values that both guide you in the work sound like the values that seem really reflected in the culture of the board, that curiosity, wonder, um, respect, and immense gratitude. Um, and it makes me think about how the work of governance is really this art, not a science. There's not like the answer. It's, it's constantly ongoing. And if you're doing the work really well, you're reflecting and iterating and thinking of that as the work, right? Not as the problem, <laughs> um, which is really helpful. Um, I, I'd love to talk for a moment. I mean, we're in the midst of a, of a global pandemic right now, and um, clearly crisis puts um, immense stress on the system and at the same time really can offer opportunities for organizations to kind of test core values, um, you know, identify changes they'd like to make. And I'm curious about 
what the recent um, pandemics revealing for you about the strengths of your board and the Layhead partnership that you might not have seen before? Um, I think first, the thing that stands out to me is, you know, in March when we kind of began closing and then immediately went into online school and um, there were crazy around the clock hours. You know, I remember the head of our board calling and saying, tell me what I can do for you. Like, tell me how I can make it easier. And I think just like that awareness, like knowing that it's hard, knowing that there's, doesn't necessarily know how to help, but that he cares. That led to weekly meetings, actually weekly board meetings where everybody on the board got on and they said, okay, tell us what's going on this week. Tell us how we can help. Tell us what we need to do. Um, board members called every single family in the school to just check in. Again, they called them again um, right before Shoshana to wish them, you know, a happy new year. Um, and these are all, you know, working professionals. These are all people, even Moshe, who doesn't officially have a full-time job. He has three full-time jobs for Akiva. And then he also works for other Jewish organizations. So I think that piece of it is hugely important in terms of getting through crisis. Um, and then, you know, just giving suggestions, you should put a task force together of doctors um, and lawyers to help you analyze. And so now that's a meeting that I have weekly is the COVID advisory committee where we sit down in the evenings and really talk about what are the, the things that have come up this, this week? What do we want to put out in the newsletter for parents next week? You know, what do we want to make sure that the community knows that consistent foundational support while it could be overwhelming at times is so critical to moving through crisis. I'm sort of on the outside of that other than just to see that how well it's going. Uh, and, and I'm kind of awed by knowing that we are one of the few schools in Nashville where the kids are actually in school. One of very few, uh, most of them are doing distance learning. Uh, and I know how hard it is. And I know the procedures and protocols that they put in place to make it happen. And I just think it's amazing that the faculty and, and with their leadership um, have been able to make it work. We have not had one breakdown. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's pretty amazing. Um, and I, and I think the board may be, uh, the board members may be of some uh, help, but really it's, it's all uh, the professionals, the teachers, uh, the staff, they are doing an amazing job. That's kind of part of this. So this is a little piece of what goes to build the reputation of the school. Um, the community knows that Akiva is the only, one of the only schools in Nashville that's operating. Um, and they, they admire that. And when you solicit them, it come, you can tell that they're happy to give because they know that, uh, it, you know, it's being done right. And um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I would like to, this is a little bit off that subject, but I just want to throw something in because I know that every situation is different. Every school situation is different. Every community is different. And ours sounds kind of idyllic, and, and in a way it is. But we have many of the same problems every other community has. What I found is, though, because Akiva went through some terrible years, uh, and uh, what I found is once you turn the corner and once 
people can begin to see order coming about. And once you begin to have some successes, that the success builds on success. And, and success breeds success. So people want to be associated with that. And that applies to the Federation. Every, every congregational rabbi in our community supports the school. We have the, the reform rabbis, orthodox rabbis, they all sit on the same dais and talk about how great Akiva is. I know that doesn't happen in many communities. Um, but so I guess what I'm saying is if you can ever, if you've got the problems like we had, once you can turn the corner then and build on that, you know, you can have some great successes. How you do that, so I, that's what PRISM, I guess, helps you do. But um, that's it. And I, I'd offer a perspective from conversations with heads of schools in other parts of the, of, of the country, right, uh, in, in Canada too. And, you know, at, at this time, trying to understand or, or make sense of how, how some are really thriving at this moment and, and, others, and others are finding it a lot harder. And there's, there's no question, like Alyssa, you kind of talked about this as a, as a kind of stress test, right? And, you know, I think part of the story here, you know, being reasonably familiar with the school is that if the pieces are in place, when you put the pot in the kiln and expose it to intense heat, it, it's a, it, it firms it up even, even more so, right? But that when the pieces aren't well melded together, then the fractures start to occur. And, and, and what, what we're hearing here is really a story of how, how the pieces were, were, were there, right? And it isn't like the school has suddenly become other. It's just, it's more of the same, right? But it is fascinating that if schools kind of had laid those foundations, you know, and, and the culture was in place, the systems were in place, far from, you know, being found out, in many ways, they've really found themselves. They've really, you know, this is a moment for them and may really be a tipping point in kind of more than making the case with day school education. It's actually, you know, embodying that case in ways that really, that are really compelling to potential supporters. You know, we're celebrating Sukkot now, and um, normally tonight we would have a huge Sukkah dinner with all of our families from the school coming in and potential parents coming in, and everybody would be having dinner in this enormous Sukkah that's normally built on our parking lot. So this year, obviously, we didn't build a huge Sukkah because we could only have one class at a time. And so we gave our sixth graders the opportunity to build the Sukkah. Actually, I just showed um, the school in morning assembly um, a quick run of all the different trials and all the different buildings, trial one, trial two, trial three. Finally, we have a sukkah with walls um, after everything had fallen down multiple times. Um, and what I was sharing with the kids that the thing that stood out to me most was actually not their perseverance and their determination because I knew they had that, but it was really more about their kindness towards each other. Like that every time the sukkah fell down and every single time we started building again, you know, they encouraged each other through it and they appreciated the mom who drove by and said, do you want me to just bring you a pop-up sukkah? And, you know, they appreciated the teachers who came by and said, do you want these materials? And I think that sense of kindness and appreciation. And then, you know, as I was leaving school, obviously parents aren't allowed in our school, but we asked for parents to send their children um, surprise messages that are now hung in the sukkah, like all these pictures of the kids and their parents with special messages. And the parents came to hang up the messages so that they would um, 
you know, they would be able, the kids would be able to feel as if they were with them in the sukkah, even though they couldn't be. And I think that is just such a beautiful example of, you know, all the pieces in the pot coming together to really make something whole in a time that's, that could be looking a lot different. It's such a beautiful story. Um, and I find it really inspirational because my, my dream for our schools is that sort of as we are raising up our next generation of, of children, that these will become our future board members. And sort of my dream is sort of that our kids would sit in our board meetings and sort of be so proud and sort of see their, their school values being lived by their boards. And uh, so much of what you talked about today just sounds so true um, for those of you at Akiva in Nashville. Um, we're deeply grateful to both of you and to you, Alex, for joining us today um, for such a really heartwarming and inspiring conversation to hear about your work. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Daniela, Moshe, Alex, and Alyssa, for an enlightening and inspiring discussion of day school leadership. If you'd like to continue the conversation with any of our guests today, please contact me, Elliot Raven, at elliotr at prisma.org. You can follow our podcasts by searching for Prisma on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. To learn more about Prisma, go to our website at www.prisma.org. Follow us on social media at PrismaCJDS for all things Prisma and the Day School Network. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed and we'll come back again soon for future episodes.